0: Pray with me, Father, may we believe these words today, that we may believe that your spirit is strong in us and that what you are doing in us and in this world is good. And we can trust your plan. We can trust that you are with us. We can look to your word. We can know your promises. And God, as we rest in these things, we will find peace. So, Lord, may you now be at work in our hearts and minds. We open your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. We're talking about this year. We're talking about what's next. And what is next is eternity. What is next is God fulfilling the ultimate promises to bring peace on earth. He's going to do this by bringing an end to the reign of sin. God is going to make all things new. And in so doing, he is going to remove and bring justice to all sin. And as he does that, he's going to take all of his redeemed routine, routine people for all of time, and we will enjoy this new heaven and new earth, and we will be with the Lord. Check this out. Forever. Can you get forever in your head a little bit? I struggle to. I'm so caught up in the now. I think what goes on in life right now is, is, is such a big deal, or, or what's going to go on? You know, uh, we host BSF, a Bible study fellowship here, Tuesday night for men, Wednesday for women. I was talking with a friend this week who's doing the study in Revelation, talking about what's going to be happening as the wrath of God is poured out during that tribulation period and just how awful that's going to be. And, and, and then I thought, but you know what? That's going to end. You know, there's going to come a point when whatever tribulation you're facing in your life, whatever trials you're facing right now, sooner or later, you know what? It's going to end. What's going to happen in Revelation It's going to come to an end. But you know, there's going to be a time that's going to come. What's next will not end. It's forever. And what we do in this very brief life now determines our forever, and it's so vital that we be wise and we map out our forever. God has done everything necessary for us to be able to live with hope and to be able to help others to know the gospel. And here's the good news. God's design was that we live in harmony with him, but we messed it up with our sin And that has created brokenness in our world. The reason why there's divorce, the reason why there's conflict, the reason why friends get sideways with one another. You know why? Every single time sin. Sin creates brokenness. It's broken our relationship with God, which has broken our relationship with ourselves, which breaks our relationships with others. But God did not abandon us in this brokenness. Instead, God entered into it. He became one of us. He lived a holy life that none of us, could or would, and then he paid the penalty for our sin. The penalty for sin is death. And God himself came and he died on the cross. And that's the gospel. The good news, God has not abandoned us. That he came and he defeated not only sin, but death itself. He has been resurrected. He is alive. And if we will repent and believe from our sin, trusting in the risen Christ, we can pursue and recover God's design. And as we do that, we will be able to live with perspective. We'll be able to understand that every trial, every temptation, every difficulty, every part of the tribulation and pain we go through, God has a plan for it. We should anticipate suffering. We should anticipate it and live through it, though, with confidence and hope. Why? because of what Jesus said. What did Jesus say in John 16, 33? I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Christ has not only defeated sin, he has overcome death, and if he is our Savior and Lord, not only do we have the hope of what's next, we can map out our forever now, living a life that enjoys his blessing through every trial, through every difficulty, through every tribulation, and through every opportunity, we can know that God is with us. But here's the fact. Every single one of us in this room right now, I know some of you thought it was only you. I don't know if this is good news or bad news. It's not just you. Everybody in this room has walked in here with a difficulty, with pain with hardship in some area. But here's what's happening to a lot of us. We, we are seeing our pain, we're experiencing our pain, and we're struggling with it. But a big part of the, of the edge to that pain is that we think that everybody else is doing so much better than we are. See, some of you in this morning and you're having trouble in your marriage, but you saw a picture on Facebook or you heard somebody talk about, oh, we went out to dinner last night. Oh, it was just great. We love each other so much. And that's the way you read that. Well, good for you. I'm so glad your marriage is so great. Some of you, you kids, you put the thing. You got leader of the month. Some of you wonder when are we going to get the loser of the month award up there, right? Because that's not like what I—that's what I need to get, right? You, can we start celebrating that so I can get one of those awards, right? You know, we, all of us. Here's the thing: is, We we have we have difficulties. We have pain. We have tribulations. But what makes them all the more worse is that we think that nobody else does, and we think that we are such a failure compared to them. Can I just tell you? Everybody in this room, don't send me emails, I'm not calling us names, pick that up later, is that we've all failed. It doesn't make us failures. We we all have difficulties. It doesn't mean that, that we're not intelligent. This is the nature of this world. And as as we jumped into this year, as we jumped into this study, we, we started the year by, by looking at the book of Book of Haggai. And what we see happening in the Book of Haggai is what we see happening in all of our lives, and it's simply this. These folks, they left this world, they they out of Babylon, and they had this expectation of what it was going to be like when they got to Jerusalem. They pictured this cool temple, and this big deal, and this awesome movement of God, and they were going to change the world, and it was going to be unbelievable. And they get there, and it's not quite as cool as they thought it was going to be. They get in the middle of it, and they realize, man, this this doesn't seem like it's going very well. And you know what happened to them? The very thing that's happened to everybody in this room—they got discouraged, they got disappointed, and they got down—and and God shows up and He speaks to them. And I pray that God will speak to us. First thing I, I want us to hear from God's word is this very, very important truth. It's found it's in Proverbs four twenty-three. Please write this down and take this to heart. This is important. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Be smart with your heart, because out of your heart flows what you do with your life. I often talk with people, I don't do a lot of counseling, but, but when I do... I often find myself saying the same things to people, and I wanted to share this with you today because oftentimes what we want is we want our behavior to change. We look at our lives and we say, Okay, I don't want to do this anymore. Can you give me something that will make me not do this anymore? And, and maybe that's out there, maybe there's some kind of uh, formula or drug you can take to stop doing things, but that's not good, it's not wise. I to say I feel a certain way. I don't want to feel this way anymore. Can you give me a formula? Can you give me a drug? Can you give me something that I can take that will fix how I feel? And you can, you can mask the symptoms of your pain if you want to, and you can mess yourself up even more and get worse and get addicted to something. It's not good. That's not how God works. Can I show you how God works? And every time I counsel somebody, I find myself drawing this very simple picture. Here's how it works got to have a change in your head that impacts your heart, that will change what you do with your hands, which will ultimately impact your head. See, what you speak will determine how you feel, and what you feel will determine what you do, and what you do will ultimately determine what goes into your head. And what you're thinking. So, wherever your thoughts are, that's where your feelings will go. Wherever your feelings are, those will drive your actions. And your actions will either inspire and move your thoughts and the way you're thinking in the right direction or the wrong direction. And so, it's, it's, it's wrong, guys. Let me just tell you we're opening a counseling center. We're going to be providing more counseling than ever before to our city. But let me tell you what we're not going to do we're not into behavioral modification. And we're not just trying to make people feel better either. We're not going to lie to people and say, "Oh, it's okay that you're living in sin. It'll be fine. Just be happy." That—that that is one of the sickest, worst lies ever. Pursue your happiness. It'll destroy you. You'll destroy yourself from the inside out. It's not gospel. What we're going to do, what the Bible teaches, what we're going to see today—you know what God does? He says, "Let me get you thinking right." so that you can start feeling right, so you can start doing right so that what you do will impact your thoughts, which will impact your feelings, which will determine your actions, which will drive your thoughts, and it becomes a way of life. It becomes a system where, where you go from from what God has said to, to believing it and feeling it and doing it so that you can enjoy His blessing. And this is what God wants for our life. What we see happening in our text today, people are disappointed, they're discouraged, like, like almost everybody in this room today. And God shows up and he gives them a word. He wants to impact their thinking. So it impacts their feelings. So it determines and drives their actions. You got your Bible? I hope that you do. Take it out and turn with me now to Haggai chapter 2. The best way to get there is to go to Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, which you're probably familiar with, and take a left. Go past Malachi and Zechariah, and then you'll come to Haggai. And today we're going to be in uh, Haggai chapter two, verse one through nine. But uh, Camel Rich is going to come, Campbell and she's going to read verses verse, three through five. So let's all stand together in honor of God's word. And let's look at this text together, and then we're going to look at the whole and get a sense of it. And would we'll read for us, verses 3-5. Who is left among like you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you first came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. The word of God. Thank you, Campbell. You would be seated. Let this be a great comfort to us. Let Let this just get down into your soul. God cares how we feel. God cares how we feel. How we feel is very important. What happens with our heart is crucial. That's why it tells us to guard our hearts. We've got to be smart with our heart. I have to be honest with you. I was raised and I was trained not to think about how I feel. Truth be known, I rarely ask myself how I feel. What I want to do, the way I try to function, is I try to go from head to hands. And I don't ask how I feel. I often tell myself, oh, your feelings don't matter. You just need to get on with doing what is right, and it'll all work out. But, but feelings do matter. And, and I, I've realized that even as a leader, I've got to be more mindful of the feelings of those around me. And so when I communicate these days, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to communicate with more feeling. And so I have found this, these wonderful tools called Emojis. I don't know if you've seen these or not. These are very helpful for people like me who don't tend. I assume, you know, that people understand my emotions. And so, you know, I, I like to tell them, hey, you know, I don't use this a lot except for my wife. But other people right. you know, the smiley face. You know, hey, I love you, man. Hey, I'm sort of disappointed in you. Hey, I, you know, I'm crying. Uh, you know, what, what were the other ones? These aren't very good ones. What's good? Yeah. I like this one. Good job. Good job. You know, you can be sarcastic with it, but don't because it confuses things. But... What I've learned is I need to I need people to know when I'm communicating with them the emotional aspect. So I use emojis. And so some of our young staff they're messing with me. And they're like, It is so funny that you're using emojis And I said, Yeah, I know. I said, you know, I, I typically, you know, when I communicate I, I'm kinda of directing like, No, 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 keep using them. I said, Really? that I said, Oh yeah, you sent a text to me one night? I didn't sleep all night long because I didn't know what that text meant. Were you mad? Were you glad? Or you? What was going on? I said, like, you got to understand. I, I'm kind of like a man, and this isn't good, but I'm not like the man who told his wife, after years of marriage, listen, I told you the day that I married you that I loved you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. That's not healthy, And thankfully, that's not how God deals with us. God is nothing like me. He's not like me at all in that. God cares about how we feel. And God knows that every one of us in this room is dealing with with a... with a level of disappointment and discouragement, and in, in light of what's next, here's what what we need to understand: is that God God cares about our heart. Write, write this down, and please believe this: God is concerned about our hearts as we head toward what's next. It's not like God says, "Look, once you get to heaven, it'll be fine." It's here, it's here, it's here and until then, suck it up. That's not what God says. God doesn't say, "Oh, that hurt broke it. Hey, rub some dirt on it. You'll be fine. Heaven's coming. It'll be good." So, what he says is, okay, look, this is coming, I have hope, but know, while you're in this world, I've not abandoned you, I'm not leaving you. And so God, God wants to give us this truth so that we can be aware of the reality, so that it changes how our, our hearts, so it changes our hands and what we do, so that our heads are in line with the proper feelings. That our heads, that our thoughts are driving our feelings, and I, those thoughts are true and right. See, people in I day. "Let me tell you why they were bummed out." They were bummed out because they had left and they thought they were going to build this awesome thing. And they get there and so they start building the temple and they realize how small and how seemingly insignificant it is. So look at verse 3. God says to them, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? They're building this temple, and God says, Look, I know you think this, 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 this what you're building doesn't matter, that it's significant. And that started all the way back at the very beginning. And it may be why many of them stopped being committed to the building of the temple. You know, it took them 18 years to actually get down to the business of it. But we read it in Ezra chapter 3, verse 11. The day they laid the foundation of the of this temple that they came to build, it says, And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. laid but many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father, of, of Father's houses, old men who would see the first house, look what they did. They wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid, though many shouted aloud for joy. Why? Because they remembered how big and awesome and cool the temple of Solomon was. And so now, here's the small temple, and they're saying... This is terrible. This is nothing like the other temple. Our life, compared to theirs, speaks. I mean, here, here we are with this little old dinky thing, and look what they had. Look how awesome that was. And so many of us sitting in this room right now, you're listening to me, and here's what you're doing. You're doing the same thing. Look at this marriage of mine. Look at this family of mine. Look at this life of mine. Look at this job of mine. Look at this friendship circle of mine. Look at this academic pursuit of mine. It's nothing compared to them, whoever they are. And what is happening is you're getting discouraged and you're getting disappointed. And God says to you, not is, is nothing to you. Can you not understand that what you're doing matters to God and that it's not insignificant because God is in it? See, the people were looking at the outside saying, what's this going to look like? And God's saying, don't worry about what it looks like on the outside. Worry about what's on the inside. And if God is on the inside of it, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. We get so caught up in what's going on on the outside. But God understands. Please understand. God's not that. Us about going this way. He knows what it is to feel like that. Here's the wondrous thing about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus, our God, understands what it is to be disappointed and discouraged and want to give up. Don't forget what he prayed in the garden that night. God, is there another way? Can I do something else? It's, you know, there, there is in the life of our God an understanding because he became one of us. Yet he was victorious. Yet he overcame. And so through him, we too, we can overcome. We can know that God understands what we're feeling. He understands our temptation to be discouraged and disappointed. And he says to us, listen, guard your heart. And the way you guard your heart is you get your head right. Because when you get your head right, it'll get your heart right, which will get your hands right, which will drive your thinking so that your thoughts lead to the right feelings, the right feelings live to the right actions. Understand that that God understands that our hearts, many of our hearts today, I'm telling you, you're not the only one. Everybody in this room is that we need healing in our hearts today. So where does it come from? It comes from God speaking truth. So what is that truth? Well, take note of this. Understand, God heals a troubled heart, first of all, with his presence. Know this to be true. Get this in your head. Believe this. is what he says in verse 4. Work for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. God's presence is one of the greatest blessings in the Christian life. The fact that God is present. You know, we sang earlier, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here flood this place and fill the atmosphere. God is present in the life of all who believe. And it is our responsibility to draw near to him. James chapter 4, verse 8. Look what it says. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Look what it says. It says draw near to God. First of all, keep your mind on God. And by getting your mind on God, you will have a heart for God. And when you have a heart for God, what will you do? You will cleanse your hands. You will be purified. You will do righteous things when you are living for and pursuing the presence of God. Gathering for worship is one of the most important things that you can do in your week. Why? Because it is your chance to leave behind all the stuff and all the business and all the demands, and simply come into God's presence and to draw near to Him. And to do it with a community of other believers, to do it with people who are struggling just like you you need the same God that you need and believe in the same grace that you believe in and need that that hope. They need that. We all need that encouragement, that strengthening. We need to draw near to God every Sunday by setting up our time to come and worship the one true God and draw near to God. But, but we need more than just Sunday. Some of you are living off of a Sunday experience. It's not enough. Listen. If your body lived off of one meal a week, you would be emaciated. Imagine what your soul must be—what lo- lo- must it must look like if all you're doing is feeding your soul good gospel truth in song and in word once a week. Imagine if you're only doing it every other week. Imagine if you only do it once a month or once a quarter or twice a year. Your soul is starving for the truth. We need God. We need to draw near to God every day in His Word and in prayer. He is our best friend who won't ever leave us. There's a woman, this young mother, my wife and I have been praying for. She's not a part of our church. She's dying of cancer. And this week, uh, she had a friend, her best friend, came and has been with actually, I think, for a couple weeks. It was time for her to go home, and the young mother just began to just weep. And so they said, "What's wrong?" And she said, "I know I will never see her in this life again." So this best friend got on the phone, called her husband and her kids, and said, "I can't leave her. I can't abandon her." She needs me, and I'm going to make the sacrifice to be there for her through this horrible, horrible challenge. Do you realize that that's exactly what God has done for us? He did not abandon us in our sin, in our pain, in our suffering. He had the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in heaven. He had a place to be, a place where there was rejoicing, and there was healing, and there was hope, and there was happiness. And God left it for us. He didn't abandon us in our sin and our pain. He entered into it. And he's not going to leave us. He has invested his own blood. He's not going to leave you. He's invested too much in you says to these people, I know you're disappointed. I know you're discouraged. I know that you think that this is not important. You feel like a failure. You're not. I've got a plan. I am with you. then he says, and hey, listen, I want you to hold on to this promise that I've made. I promise that I would be with you. So, so write this down. God heals a troubled heart with this promise. So he tells him, I'm with you, and he knows, he knows how we are, but you you could leave me, I always fail you, I know I disappoint you, I know, I know I don't deserve it, and God says, listen, I'm staying with you, not because you deserve it, but because I promised you I would, because I chose to love you. Because I have a plan for this. Look what He says to them in verse five: According to that is an agreement with the covenant that I made with you when I when when you came out of Egypt. My Spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. Listen. If you're ever discouraged, when you have doubt, when you're disappointed, and you're thinking, you know what? No way, God's with me. No way, God cares about me. Just look back at His faithfulness. God said to these people, to the people in Haggai, say, don't you remember the Exodus? Remember when I brought you out of Egypt? Remember how I promised that I would always be with you? Remember how it wasn't because you were so good and so great to be with? I chose to be with you because it was my plan, it was my purpose. Friends, here's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to say to God, what is after truth?'" God, you shouldn't be with me. I'm a, i am sin. I'm, I'm a disappointment. I, I, I never follow through. You, you should abandon me. That's the half truth. Because you know what, folks? Honestly, that's true. And here's what God says to you. What He says to us. I don't love you because you're lovable. I don't stay with you because you're so great to be with. I love you because I've chosen to love you. I stay with you because I promised I would stay with you. My relationship with you isn't dependent upon your faithfulness; it's dependent upon mine. And great is the faithfulness of our God. Amen. And so He says to these people, "I'm with you." promise I will never leave you. No matter what, I'm with you. And it's because of my faithfulness. And he says, and by the way, I have a purpose for this. Write this down. God heals a troubled heart with his purpose. He says, verse 6, For thus says the Lord Lord of hosts, yes, once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that all the treasures of all the nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. I'm saying God always uses the means and the path that will bring Him the greatest glory and us the greatest blessing. God and rarely uses comfort. It's almost always trials, isn't it? Because those are the things that strengthen our faith. And God says, I've got a purpose for this. He says, Look, I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth. Guys, listen to what that means. If our hope, if your hope, if my hope, is in a creative thing that can be shaken. We don't have much hope. We need our hope to be in something that will never be shaken. We need our hope to be in that which never moves. Who is the only being in all the universe who will not be shaken, who will not be moved? It is God Himself. Revealed in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. If he is not your hope, you don't have any. Or if you do, it's short-lived. It will soon be taken from you because God shakes it. God says this today: I'm with you in the present. I've made a promise. I've got a purpose. And as long as we will believe that, you know what? We get peace. You know what God does? He heals. God heals a troubled heart with his Peace says in verse 8, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. I mean, what is your peace? If it's not God himself, we have you know, If you do a study of the temple and throughout the scripture, you'll find that the, the, the temple is always symbolic of the presence and the power of God. And so he's saying here, listen, what was done is nothing compared to what, it's to what I'm going to do. But if you fulfill a study of the temple and you go all the way to the end and you see him, and you look into that time of what's next, we see something remarkable, something amazing. It's in Revelation 21, verse 22. Look what it says. In the world, in the forever that is to come, it says, I saw no temple in the city. For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. There are, there's no need for a symbol when you have the real thing. When you have Christ, you have the real temple. You have the real presence of God. And if you have the real presence of God, you know what you have? Peace. You know what you live like when you have peace? You live with confidence and humility. confident that God is with you, that he's made a promise, that he's got a purpose, and that gives you peace, humble, because you know you're completely dependent upon him. And that changes the way you live. So when you know that God is for you, that he loves you, that he has died for your sin, and then he's he's got a plan for what you're going through. You know what that does to your heart? It gives you hope. You know when your heart is filled with hope, you know what you do? You live hopeful. You know when you're living hopeful, you draw near to God. And the more you draw near to God, you know what he does? He fills your heart with hope and healing and love. And you know what that does to your life? It leads you to live for this God who fills you with love and hope. And the more you live for that love and hope, the more you pursue Him, the more you understand how great and mighty and awesome He is. And you know what that does to your heart? It fills you with gratitude and grace. And you know what happens when you're filled with gratitude and grace? You know how you live. You live with gratitude and grace, and you draw near to God, and then what happens, and then what happens, and then what happens. Let me tell you, some of you guys, you here right now, and you're disappointed, and you're you're distraught, and you're frustrated, and there's there's things that are going on, and here's what you need to do. Believe the truth of the gospel. And let God come on the inside and change you. Let this truth change you. Change the way you feel. So that you can live a life that God can bless what you do. It begins with receiving the truth, feeling the truth, living the truth. So of you guys have not received the gospel. So if you guys are not receiving, you're not believing it, you need to come and say, God, I believe, help my unbelief. Change me from the inside and then let it be lived out into my life so that I can enjoy your blessing, so that I can I can be smart with my heart, so that I can live a life and I can map out my forever and go forward in your grace. So we need to do that right now. Let's stand together Let's pray. Lord God, we're going to sing a couple of songs right now to speak to this need that we all have. And I know that there's some of who would like to just simply turn over to you a situation or a need maybe their entire life. And so I pray right now that if they need to, they can just come here to the front, they can get on their knees, they can just stand if they need to, and they can just say, God, I'm discouraged, I'm disappointed. Will you forgive me of my sin? Will you forgive me? Will you renew in me a faith that believes that you're present, you have a purpose? And will you allow me, God, to live a life that that gives you the great glory you deserve and the blessing that I need? Lord, hear us as we sing these these two songs and and hear those who need to come and and make things right with you and to receive this blessing today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come and pray and come as we sing together.